My name is Linda Cavillin Popoff, and welcome to Family of Virtues podcast. Thank you for joining me on the Family of Virtues podcast. I would like to take this opportunity to thank our listeners from all over the world who are tuning into these podcasts week in, week out from over 20 different countries now. Your support and encouragement is invaluable to us. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. For more information, please head to familyofvirtues.com slash rate. That's familyofvirtues.com slash rate. Please leave us a review. Let us know how we're going. Please remember to subscribe to Family of Virtues on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribing allows you to get notified whenever new episodes launch, so it is really helpful. And lastly, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Family of Virtues. Today, we continue our conversation with co-founder of The Virtues Project, Linda Kavlin Popov. Our topic today covers a strategy of spiritual companioning. If you haven't already, check out last week's episode with Linda, where we discuss the virtues and the state of our common humanity. Enjoy your time and be inspired. Um, uh, Linda, I'm going to go towards our virtues reflection. Mm -hmm. And today... I've picked empathy and I'm going to read it out now. Empathy is the ability to put ourselves in another's place and to understand their experience. We are deeply present to their thoughts and feelings with such compassionate accuracy that they can hear their own thoughts more clearly. Empathy connects us with our common humanity. It protects us from prejudice, blame, and judgment, those things that divide us from each other. With empathy, we reflect on how our actions affect others. It moves us to seek justice for every person, even those with whom we disagree. Empathy inspires us to be giving and selfless. Empathy connects our hearts. Linda, a few thoughts on that. Well, for me, um, I'm noticing that my empathy for those that are suffering, Mm. especially in terms of racial justice, it's just going deeper and deeper. And one time when my brother, John, was dying of of brain cancer and I was looking after him with Mm. Dan's help, one day I ended up in the emergency room myself because I was so, I I just could hardly bear his pain. Mm. And when I got home, he said, he said, you know, Linda, I have the pain, but you have the suffering. Yeah. my God. (laughs) And it was true. And then he said, he said, you've got to take your vitamin T, Linda. I said, Mm. what, what is that? He said, trust you have mm. to trust. Mm. And he said, you know, he said, you and your damn empathy. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that empathy, empathy is my, one of my greatest strength virtues. It's also mm. a growth virtue for me because if I don't tend to myself, mm. I can really become despairing. I mean, I haven't cried this much after watching George Floyd's murder under the knee of a police officer mm. 
in an American city for a very mm. long time. And then really opening myself to learn as much as I can about mm. white supremacy and how it's mm. affected so many millions of people. Mm. And, you know, so for me, I value my empathy. Mm. And I also feel that it's one of those virtues that parents need to be alert to the empathy that their children show and acknowledge mm. it because they are born with it. Mm. Children have natural compassion, natural empathy, even for someone they don't know. If they mm. can see someone sad, a little one will toddle over and put his hand or her hand on the mm. person's hand and, and offer them compassion. Mm. So for me, <clears throat> empathy is a very important virtue right now because we mm. need to be together as mm. we work our way through the crises we're facing. And empathy Absolutely. cuts through all the prejudice, it cuts through all the bias, mm. and it cuts through our, our conditioning so mm. that we see every person's human face mm. and we respond accordingly. Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. In, in, in this podcast, uh, Linda, we, we've identified over the past few weeks all the strategies of the Virgis Project in varying levels of intensity. Mm. And this has allowed us to discuss and discover the role of the parent as an educator as we recognize teachable moments. We have also discovered our role of authority as we've set clear boundaries for our children. We guide our children as we honor their spirit through family meetings and daily prayers and reverence as, as the previous episodes with uh, Dara spoke towards as well. But what we haven't really touched on is this parent as a counselor? Is this yes. empathy? Is this companioning process? Mm -hmm. and, and today, I'd like to speak about that spiritual companioning, which is, of course, one of the strategies of, of the Virtues Project. And it is my hope today that we attempt to look at the layers of the process and hopefully with some simple examples laid down quite clearly for parents as to why this is important and, more importantly, um, why it actually works. So the first thing that I have for you is let us in on a fun fact. Who coined the phrase spiritual companioning? And what do we, <laughs> and what do we mean by these two words exactly? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about how Please. it came about. Uh, when I was spiritual care director at hospice in Victoria, mm. it was the Virtues Project started at the same time as I was in that role. Mm. And I was learning so much from the patients I cared for and from their families. Mm. Well, there was this one man who was making quite a loud noise. He was moaning and groaning. Mm. And the nurses said, Linda, go do that thing you do, because <laughs> we're going to have to give him a shot. He's disturbing everyone else. And I walked in. And his wife was patting his, his cheek and mm. smiling at him, and he's very unhappy. And mm. she's saying, God loves you. You're fine. You're all right. So mm. I, I realized that he was just going to get louder. Mm. So I, I started to speak. I introduced myself to the two of them. Mm. And then I spoke to him, and I said in a very loud voice to match his tone, I said, what's going on? And mm. he stopped groaning, but his wife started answering for him. 
Right. I finally, I said, would you mind <clears throat> letting me have some time alone with them? I think I might be mm. able to help. She gave me quite the glare, but she left the room. <laughs> and she she went next door and started playing the organ really loud. There was a, a lounge there. <laughs> so again, I turned my attention to him and I said, what is going on? And he calmed right down. And he started sharing with me and saying, I'm so angry. What's going on? You know, and I said, what are you angry about? What's the anger? What does that feel like? And little by little, he just became more and more calm. So this went on over time, you know. Yeah. And finally, one day, she backed me up against a wall, seriously, and said, mm. what are you doing to my husband? <laughs> I said, uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> she said, we've been happily married all these years, and now all of a sudden... He's happy when you're around, and he's not happy when I'm around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I took her down the hall, and I said, do you really want to know? She said, mm. yes. Mm. I said, well, first of all, <clears throat> I started lecturing her about mm. how he's on a roller coaster ride, and she's trying to cheer him up, and he needs her to be with him, and he feels alone and isolated when she doesn't listen to him. And mm. she was just totally resistant. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, Linda, companion her. Yeah. Don't lecture her. So yeah. I said, I said, I use the magic word of companioning. What? Mm. I said, what are you worried about? She said, mm. oh, I can't stand the idea of him dying depressed. Mm. And I said, tell me more about it. She said, oh, I was depressed once. And I couldn't mm. get out of it when my mother died. Mm. And I asked her to tell me about it. And so she, she too became very calm as she emptied her cup. You can't put anything in a full cup. Mm. So I let her empty her cup. I encouraged her to do that. And I said, I can see that you love him very much. She said, mm. I do. And he loves me too. I said, I'm mm. sure he does. I said, now, forgive me, but I think... Your goal of wanting to keep him happy is impossible. What yeah. you can do is keep him company. Right. And that's where this phrase came from, spiritual companioning, because it's you're being a companion, walking with the person. You're not leading them. You're not pushing them. You're walking beside them, and you're receiving the reality of their experience just by being present. Well, I want to tell you that she became so good at it mm. that he didn't need me anymore. Mm. And they were able to go home, and he wanted to die at home. And shortly before he died was her birthday. And mm. he asked her son, their son, to order her a brand new organ for her birthday. <laughs> and she played as he was dying. She played him out. Oh, and after Beautiful. that, she became a Linda groupie. She came to all the virtues of men, and, you know, and we became very good friends. So that's where the phrase came from, oh, spiritual God. companioning. You can't keep them happy, but you can keep them company. Yeah. That's such a beautiful story. I, I, I don't think this is in any guide, is it? I, I don't remember if I've, I think I have written it in yeah. uh, A Pace of Grace. 
Oh, right. I haven't got to that part. Then. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what, at the moment, in, in A Pace of Grace, I, I, I'm still in the first chapter. And, um, and I'm going towards that first part where you're speaking about water. And oh, our yeah. body's ninety percent full of water, and and that whole self care routine about making sure that you have a bath, and how you know in ancient <laughs> times that's what we did—we soaked in water. So I took screenshots of of those Kindle pages, and I sent it to both of my sisters. I'm like, relax, <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <Right>. Need to... <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so spiritual companioning. You spoke about several strategies now, and and how do we guide our parents into it? So the the first one, let's let's dive in. Let's let's open the door. Good. So so that that that, that first step is of utmost importance, which is opening the door. Because if we yes. say the wrong thing, or we react in the wrong way, so let's That's say right. a child a child comes in and darts in and says something, and they're not going to be very tactful about it sometimes as well. Right. So what we say at that time is is crucial. It may just open it or it may shut Absolutely. it f- forever. So well, what 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 do we do? Guide us through this, please. Okay, Major, I love this kind of a question. Very mm. thoughtful question. <laughs> First of all, you have to get in the habit as a parent of slapping on a shield over your heart. And mm. that shield is made up of both compassion and detachment. Because you cannot walk intimately with someone, especially your own child, if you're going to take on their feelings and try to solve everything for them. So it's an attitude of curiosity, and I call it sacred curiosity. So let's say a child comes running in from school and saying, I hate my teacher. I'm never going back to school. Mm. Well, the last thing they need is for you to say, oh, yes, you are. You need a good education, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's all they hear is wah, wah, wah. You know, they don't, because they have not been heard. Mm. So the first thing you do is to is focus on, don't get furious, get curious. Mm, so ask a what question, not yeah. why do you hate your teacher, puts them on the defensive. Right. Ask them, what do you hate about your teacher? What's going on? And be prepared to re- take a breath and really, really listen with receptive silence. Mm. Don't feel like you're going to come up with a solution because you don't want to be a jewel thief and steal away the child's teachable moment. So you need to start a dialogue with them. What do you hate about your teacher? What's mm. going on at school? Mm. And be as, as really respectful in that question as you can. Don't turn the volume up too much. Don't turn the volume down. If you say, what has that teacher done to you? Don't do Mm. that. Let Mm. them tell their story. Doesn't need to be your anger. You need to detach with your own feelings so that you can actually hear. Right. I have to say that um, a child I was very close to Mm. revealed to me that he was being sexually abused by one of his teachers. Mm, no, no. And I had to use every ounce of my self-discipline mm. and my detachment not to get in my car and run to the, the school. Mm. You know, And so because I knew to be quiet mm. and let him talk and let mm. him cry, this, the whole story came out. But if I had overreacted, or reacted too quickly, it wouldn't have. So first of all, 
let your child tell his or her story. Right. So right. you open the door with questions like, what's going on? You know, mm. what what do you hate? Mm. Any time a child, sh- or any anyone really, because mm. this works for all ages, this is not something you do as a parent only. Yeah. We all need this from each other. But mm. if you open the door, be prepared to hear. If you're too busy to listen at that moment, say, you know what? This sounds really important. Mommy has to finish cooking this dish. And as soon as I've finished, I'm going to come into the living room and I want to hear all about it. Right. So don't start and companioning if you don't have the attention to give. If you don't have the attention, if you don't have the time, we right. need to respectfully let the child know and be reliable and come back to the child as well. Yes. Um, yeah. And the cup and emptying question. So basically not saying why, because that gets them into a defensive mode, but what kind of a day, how, how are you feeling right now? Those kinds of things to allow them to feel more comfortable to, to, to keep speaking. Yes, exactly. You want to be careful with the, how are you feeling with boys? They don't like to talk about feelings, but their feelings oh. will come out. I, I, ha- I have a six year old boy and he does not like to be asked, how are you feeling? No. No, no, he just he, won't like he it. just doesn't like it. It, it. You know, if he's fallen down, just out of care or concern, if you even ask him, "Are you okay?" He gives you the look, and and I've learned that you know that's not what you ask. It's it's not with the companioning process anyway. Um, no. But you know how it just sort of na- <laughs> it, it it just sort of naturally comes to you sometimes. Are you okay? Are you hurt? Or whatever. Well, well you're he saying that you know with all yeah. due respect, you're saying that out of your empathy for him. Right. What will really be more helpful is to watch him. If he falls down and hurts his knee and it's right. bleeding, mm. you can just say, wow, look at that. You, mm. you, it's bleeding. He'll mm. love that. He yes. will love that sort of companioning. When someone mm. is wounded, pay attention mm. to the wound. Yeah. One of the things right. that I do that people used to think was counterintuitive was mm. to focus on either a physical wound or an emotional wound, but if you don't pay attention to it, hmm. you're invalidating the child's experience. Plus, they don't want to analyze their feelings, mm-hmm. especially boys. <laughs> mm. Mm. How do you think I feel? I just fell down. I'm bleeding. You know. That's so, <laughs> so <laughs> Richard, one time I want to tell you another story. Yeah, I was please. up in the Yukon. I was up in the Yukon. It was the dead of winter. It was like 30 below Fahrenheit. <laughs> and I was crowded into a small, well, it was a, a big home, but there were like 100 people squeezed in there mm. to hear me. And um, this was <laughs> up at the in the Arctic Circle, actually. I think it was. Well, anyway, it was one of those very northern towns. And there was a little girl who was the daughter of the woman hosting the event, and mm-hmm. I was speaking about the Virtues Project, and all of a sudden, we, we hear this scream from the mm-hmm. kitchen, and the little girl had turned the corner too fast and scraped her knee badly <laughs> on the corner of the cabinet. And all these adults rushed in, and they're standing <laughs> around her, and she's screaming her head off. Her mother was going, it's okay, it's okay, honey. I'll get you some ice. Well, what I did is I got on the floor and I crept between the knees and the legs mm. of the people. And I got down to her and I said, what happened? 
She goes, mm. oh, myself. I said, let me see your hurt. Ooh, that looks terrible. Look how swollen that is. She mm. goes, and she starts nodding her head like, finally, somebody mm. understands. Right. And she stopped screaming. And her mother turns around like, what did you just do? Mm. Richard, is that mm. simple? Pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Just it's, pay it's, attention. Just pay and attention. And if they're it's, not upset, yeah. if yeah. they're not upset when they fall down, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make a big deal out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like when you when, when you go to a doctor as well, they're going to give you medicine for where your pain is. They're not going to start treating everything else. So <laughs> pay, pay right. attention to the wound. And, and, and I like that. When, yes. when, you spoke, when you spoke of receptive silence, giving that detached silence, that deep listening, yes. it, in, this, in this world of so much noise and stimulation, silence yeah. seems so uncomfortable for some people. When, 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 how long <laughs> is silent? And, and, and I love it because I know it says somewhere when you think you've been silent long enough, be silent a little more. So, right. so tell That's us a little right. bit about this, this detached silence. Well, it's a detached, warm, receptive silence. It's an emp empathic silence. Mm. And so the main thing is you want to give someone, whether it's a child of six or an 86-year-old, you want to give them time to tell it the way it needs to be told. Mm. And sometimes if there's a, a pause, you have to wait because the most important thing is going to come out after mm. the pause. So mm. you wouldn't let it go too long with a little child. Mm. But with an adult, just try it and see how it works. Yeah. But Absolutely. stay, you know, the quality of our attention is directly proportionate to the degree of our concentration. Mm. So we are totally focused on the other person. Mm. So um, it doesn't have to be a long silence, especially because yeah. most people aren't used to it anymore. But what I find is that people, like the other day I was in the pool, and we're allowed to go to the pool again, and there's mm. only one person in each lane, <laughs> and there's a, an older gentleman. Well, he's younger than I am, but he's, you know, <laughs> he's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're young at heart, Linda. You don't even Apparently. realize it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said to him, so tell me about, have you been here all your life? And he said, I was born and raised here. Yeah. And I said, well, what's your story? And he told me his whole story. And by the I, <laughs> And I had to get out of the pool at a certain point and leave, and he's still talking. <laughs> well, the other day he, he went hunting for deer, and he mm. brought me a little package of deer meat. <laughs> oh, God. He, I think this man, I think he lives alone. Mm. I think he's quite lonely. And when I'm in the pool near him, he loves to chat. So I just keep moving up and down the pool, yeah. and he's talking to me. But it's... Yeah. I, and I didn't have to say a word until yeah. the end, toward the end, I said, I said, do you realize that in your life, every time a door has closed, another one has opened? And he just went, mm. yes, that's true. Mm. And I think mm. he took that home with him. Mm. Because, you know, if you want to give some advice or you want to say something wise or whatever, mm. you have to wait till the end. Mm. Let them tell you the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. And if your child, go back to the child who said, 
I hate my teacher. Mm. You know how many parents would immediately shame the child and say, well, what did you do to make mm. your teacher mad? Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. bring it up later in a non-shaming way. Say, mm. so how did the relationship get to be like this? What do mm. you do and what does your teacher do? How does that mm. work? Mm. But be as neutral as you can, as detached as you can, while showing them true respect and empathy. And I like what you said, like when you're speaking to this man, he was a stranger to you, but yet you showed him, you know, that, that, that patience, that flexibility, yeah. that, that openness of wanting to just be present um, and right. listen to his story. And, and we, we give that to strangers even. Oh, yes. Know? But when it comes to our children, sometimes I think we sort of, um, you know, fall back a little bit and start being, you know, a little judgmental. But I feel that a lot of it also does come from parental insecurities and, and projections mm -hmm. that we have, things that mm -hmm. we haven't gone through in our lives or we felt that maybe we were a little too submissive and we weren't assertive enough, whatever our yes. histories may be and our insecurities. Yes. So sometimes we want to project what we want our child to be like based yes. on what we may have missed out on. That's and right. that's just so hard, especially in this part when we're supposed to be silent and ask only questions to allow them to express themselves. You know, it's, it's so hard not to sort of swipe in or, or just slide in there because of these projections and insecurities. Well, the thing is, you, that's an understandable feeling of mm. wanting your child not to suffer things that you suffered. Mm. However, the place for that is not in this first part of companioning right. where you open the door, you offer receptive silence, and you ask mm. cup-emptying questions like, what's the hardest part of being in class with this teacher? Mm. When do you feel the most embarrassed? What's been happening? Mm. You know, mm. so it's cup-emptying questions to let them get out what's been going on. And mm. then you want to get to the heart of the matter. Mm. What is, what's the hardest thing about being in, in Mrs. Smith's class? Mm. What is the hardest thing about it when he brings you up to the front and you feel embarrassed? Mm. What is the mm. worst thing about that? So, <clears throat> you know, that's why you focus on the wound. If it's yeah. a physical wound, but often it's an emotional wound. Yeah. You know, if, like if what would you say sorry, if, if yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I said if, if parents want to, I guess if the, this detachment process is they need to think that if I really want to know the whole story, if mm -hmm. I really want to know how my child feels, and all parents should, then this is really important. Holding back and allowing them to speak is really, really important. Well, Otherwise, they it, won't it, tell you. Mm. That's right. They won't speak mm. to you. And they will, as they get older, they will keep secrets from you. Right. And you do not want that. Now, mm. there's another aspect to it, Richard. Mm. Mm -hmm. you were, you're following their lead in the first part of the process. Yes. Even if it's just to say, what do you hate about your teacher? Mm. In, this, in the coming out of the process, you actually are asking them questions that could lead them to look at assertiveness, that could lead them to looking at their courage, that could right. lead them to cooperating more with their teacher. So the, that part is called vir ask virtues reflection questions. Mm. So, so one of the, the it might be, um, I'll give you an example from 
uh, some children that I, <laughs> were playing mm-hmm. at our place recently. Mm-hmm. We had gotten a little rug out on our patio, or lanai, as we say here, um, so that they could have something soft to play on because it's a mm-hmm. concrete uh, floor. Right. And they were fighting over the rug. And I came outside and I said, what's going on, you guys? What's happening? She won't let me have a turn. And she was lying down on the rug. And two children were lying on the rug. It's a long, thin rug. Mm. And I said, oh, you want to turn on the rug too? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what would be fair to all of you? How could you all be happy about the rug? And see, mm. that's where you get them to move and to respond in the teachable moment. Right. And they immediately perked up, the crying stopped, Mm. and the whining, and they said, one of them said, we could sit. If we sit, there's more room for everyone. So they all crowded onto the room. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I said, you know what? That was really good cooperation. Absolutely. And good creativity. You thought of a good idea. Mm -hmm. And they were all totally happy, and they went on and played very well. Yeah. So they will solve the problem if you give them that, uh, if you companion, even if for 10 seconds, mm. oh, you wanted to sit on the rug and they're lying on it so you can't. Mm. So what would be fair? Mm. It's, that, it's really that going in and coming out. With with older children and teenagers, uh, there are a lot more moral dilemma, right. dilemmas, fairness and justice and, and things yes. like that. Sometimes with teachers, sometimes with friends, sometimes they know that a friend has done something wrong, you yeah. know, for example. So we don't want to, again, you know, step in and give them that kind of guidance. So how can we ask them to be able to choose the right path? Well, for one thing, during the virtues reflection questions, with mm. the child who hates his teacher, mm. for all you know, this teacher is tormenting your child. Mm-hmm. So I would say, how, what do you wish would happen? What would feel, what would make you feel comfortable in that class? Mm. And if the child says nothing, I hate him and he hates me. Mm. And you might say, well, so what support would you like from me? How can I support mm. you? Mm. Mom or dad, would you go talk to the teacher? Mm-hmm. They may say, don't say anything, you know. Mm. And you yeah. might say, you know what? This is a question of justice. And I, yeah. it's important to me that you are treated fairly. Mm. So I'd like you to be open to my going in to see your teacher. Mm. Or do you have another idea? What, would, what could you do to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. And they will come up with something or they'll say come with me mm. and then when you when you finish the, the conversation mm-hmm. ask them what was helpful about talking to me honey mm. what was clear what's clearer for you mm. and usually they'll say well i feel better you know or now i know what to do and mm. you always give them the virtues acknowledgement so in right. that case i would say i really hear your sense of dignity for yourself Mm. and your sense of fairness of what you expect, how you expect to be treated with respect in Mm. your classroom Mm. by your teacher. Mm. And hopefully you will have found out if they are doing something that is stirring up the teacher's wrath. 
Right. Because once right. they trust you, they will talk more openly. They will talk more openly, yeah. And yeah. They, they might let them know what their trigger is exactly. That's, it could be that exactly. they're, they're stir, stirring the teacher, but something else is actually triggering them. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The one thing that, I, that, that I've taken away, you know, from, from this whole thing as well is when we spoke about, you know, parental insecurities and projections earlier is oh, yeah. we should be careful not to counsel ourselves. This is... This is our child space. Whenever they're coming and speaking to us, it is not about us. It's about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, quite a lot of the time we make it about us because suddenly, you know, we get embarrassed. I can't yes. believe that this happened in school. What are yes. people going to think about me? Other parents yes. are going to know about it. And suddenly we start feeling embarrassed and humiliated about something that's happened. Um <laughs> And, and we start acting out. So there, there, there has to be another space for that. And we probably need to be companioned by somebody else. Absolutely. But... <laughs> we do. Yeah. Richard, that's you know. the thing. Don't, you know, let it be a separate experience of you companioning mm. your child and mm. then talking with someone you trust about mm. what your worries are and how you felt listening to them. You ha mm. Everybody needs someone to companion them. Mm. Really. So Absolutely. it's it's very important to have someone in your life that yes. has learned these skills so that you always have an inner circle of people that you can trust, whether it's your partner in life or a friend or a professional. You, it's, yeah. You've got to have someone to whom yes. you can empty your cup without feeling judged. Yes. Yeah. And I just wanted to, I forgot to mention when we spoke of receptive silence as well, Uh, Linda, earlier, I know personally reflecting on my own being, I find it very difficult if somebody keeps asking me questions about what's happened. Yeah. You know, what yes. happened? How did it happen? Tell me, tell me about it. And I know people, you know, will be doing it out of concern, <laughs> but I find it very difficult. Mm -hmm. But I know that the moment those questions stop, at the end of the day, I am going to gravitate towards my trusted ones. And yeah. just as long as you give me space to breathe and collect my thoughts a little, mm -hmm. I will start speaking. So I think parents also need to know that if they start the process and if the child is not in that element yet, that it's okay to wait. And it's yes. okay to say to the child that, you know, I'm here for you whenever you need to talk. I can understand or I can see that you're upset. You can look at the sensory cues, for example. Yes, But always right. just, just, just be present, be there, and, and they will come. Because there are times, it depends on somebody's personality, right? They may not mm -hmm. be prepared to talk to you at that time. They've, they've had their outbursts, they've shut the door, and I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it may not be the right time. Yes. Richard, yeah. what is it, what bothers you the most when people start interrogating you? Um, I feel I feel maybe if somebody is interrogating me that they're probably already very quick to to start making um, uh, judgments are probably mm -hmm. a harsh word, but they, they're already mm -hmm. trying to solve a problem or already yes. trying to sort of, you know, give me a solution. Um, yes. That that's pro that's what bothers me, because I feel like as if it's it's superficial. What mm -hmm. I have is, is is much more deeper than that. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. I guess, yes, the jumping in too early is probably what bothers me the most. It really preempts you, doesn't it? From mm. telling your story and hearing yourself and actually processing what has happened. You mm. need the silence to be able to do that. You don't need to be 
you you are then looking after them because they want to know what happened and what should be done about it immediately without yes. giving you the space you know to to actually be heard so yes. if you were being assertive about that if you were being assertive and tactful what would you ask for when someone starts to do that and you're trying to be heard um i would ask for their patience i would ask for their consideration mm-hmm. um you know as as I, as i go through what i'm saying i would say that you know i really appreciate the time um mm-hmm. your patience your consideration as i say what i need to say first you know and yeah. and i value i i value your wisdom and i know that you're going to give it to me and i value it um but i just feel like as if i need to get this out of the way and and i think that that is really you know it's 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 important because otherwise we end up saying what we think they want to hear rather than yes. what we want to say yes mm. we start taking care of them instead of them taking mm. care of us mm. well i think mm. that's a very very perceptive way to think about it of letting them mm. know what you need mm. Mm, absolutely and ending with a virtuous acknowledgement like you mentioned before as well you know it's um not appropriate to generalize which i've learned as well because if a child's just been honest if a child's just shown courage yeah for us to actually go and say you're such an honest boy you're wow. so brave Oi. um you know <laughs> some, some it it seems so innocent linda but please tell us why that's a problem why can't because we tell the child you're so it's a terrible <laughs> burden because yeah. if someone says that to you you're such a kind man you immediately yeah. think of the times you haven't been kind <laughs> but if they tell you that was a very kind thing to do richard yes you can own it yes and a children yes. especially feel guilty if you mm. label them either positively or negatively we mm. have to stay away from labels even by virtues yes just name it in the moment and show what it is about them that you saw that was courageous for example with this child that's talked about the teacher thank mm. you for your trust to tell me about it and your courage to to look at this problem that you have with this teacher absolutely absolutely and, you know and let's talk about it again think about it some more and let's let's help each other figure out what to do about it yeah and let's so do we, some thinking so when we open the door like the example that you gave about about that girl who who hurt herself again yes. we focus directly on the wound yeah and then when we look at offering the virtuous acknowledgement mm-hmm. please always focus on that particular instance Yes. that incident that event so that they can own it i think that's really powerful and very important for us to remember you know there's um one of the things that i for some reason i feel like i need to say this that there are so many times mm. when companioning is nonverbal right. for example if a baby has obvious tummy pain as you're pumping their little legs to release the gas you know whatever mm. it is you're not saying you're fine you're okay you're saying oh that really hurts poor tummy okay mm. when i was on a plane once this little girl was throwing up and her mother kept saying it's okay it's okay it's okay i thought it is not okay mm. and that means nothing to this child 
she's never going to trust you when you say it's okay because she's mm. suffering. And if she had mm. said, just said nothing, hold mm. the bag and pat her on the back mm. and say, poor thing, mm. just let it out. That is companioning. Mm. Now, one time, one of these children that lived near us, she's very cheery and she's always the one, hi, Auntie Linda, you know, hi, Pop, Uncle Dad. And mm. she, she came over one morning and none of the other children were awake yet. Mm. And I was sitting outside having some prayers. Mm. And I took one look at her and I said, honey, what's happening? And these big tears rolled down her face and she just shook her head. She couldn't speak. Mm. I opened my arms to her and she climbed up on my lap. She's six years old, very tiny for her age. And I just held her for a long mm. time. And she cried and cried and cried. Mm. And I said, mm. do you want to tell me what's happening? She just shook her head. Mm. So I said, that's okay. Mm. And then she got up. She gave me a little swat smile and she left. Hmm. So I never found out what happened and I don't need to know. Hmm. Now, hmm. if that happened more than a couple of times, I would have tried to find out, to be honest, what was going right. on in the family. Right. Because I knew there was some, some hitting and beating hmm. in that family. So, But that was what she needed. She just needed someone to comfort her. Right. And I remember right. when, when I was so grief-stricken, mm -hmm. when my brother was dying, and I, had, I didn't want to burden Dan any further. I didn't know who I could talk to. And finally, I called up this woman I hardly knew. And she mm -hmm. came, picked me up in her car, and I just cried and cried and cried into a towel. And that's mm -hmm. what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all that's needed. Yeah. So it's not classical companioning with no. a nice solution, but it's yeah. it's human empathy, really. And that's what we're Absolutely. talking about today. Yes, we are. We are. And you know, just just the way you shared with such such openness and 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 service to the community, Linda, because we learned mm -hmm. so much from from the examples that, that you've given us. It's so much more thank easier you. to learn and, and relate to these conversations. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Um, we 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 are coming towards the the end, of course, and the flip side of these wonderful cards um, for the practice of empathy, and I'll read them out now. I seek to understand others' experience. I listen with compassion. I refrain from judging and blaming. I think about how my choices impact others. I care about people's rights. I feel my connection to all people. I'm thankful for the gift of empathy. It sensitizes my heart. Mm. And I just think that everything that you've shared today makes me realize as a parent as well, being there for somebody, trying to understand how they feel, there is a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And detaching ourselves, detaching our insecurities, not allowing ourselves to be in that judgmental space, that is going to allow us to empathize with our child and allow us to get to know them and allow us to allow them to trust us 
and have this relationship. So I've, I've really learned that it's not just being empathetic, but if we wanted to get the, the full experience, we need to detach. So, well, you know, Richard, yeah. the purpose of that is to really allow them to face their own teachable moments mm. and develop their courage, develop their trust, develop their sense of, I am a person and my feelings matter. Right. And the greatest gift we can ever give to them is our presence. Mm. And so that's what really companioning is all about. And I want to just mm. thank you for I feel as though you show exquisite understanding and appreciation mm. for all the strategies of the Virtues Project. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, like again, I said at the beginning, it's, it's such an honor for us to, for me to speak to you and for everybody else, you know, to be listening to you. I know that whenever your name pops up, everybody jumps at an opportunity to, to try and listen and to get those doses of, of wisdom and to take it all the way back, Linda, all those years back when, when the three of you started this initiative, you know, that, that that's a virtue in itself to actually have an ideal, to have an initiative and, and all the troubles and the challenges that you've been through as I'm only starting to learn now, I'm quite new in this journey. I, I'm, I've been blessed to speak to so many other facilitators as well, but I'm only learning about your journey now and, and, and appreciate the challenges and how you've persevered to keep this going. And, and you continue to influence the, the minds of young people today. So thank you for your kindness, your generosity of your time um, and your continued service. Even at this young age, Linda, your continued service. <laughs> <laughs> to to welcome, all our listeners. <laughs> it keeps me going. <laughs> it really um, gives me a very rich life to be able to do little things like like share on your podcast and I really appreciate it. No no bless you. If 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 people would want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, is is your website the best option, Linda? How can people get Yes, in touch? I would say so. Yeah. And it's okay, just so. my name, Linda Cavlin Popoff, if you can spell it dot com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will put, I will put it in the show notes. So if Good. you could just go to the episode description, you'll be able to see. And I'll put the uh, links to to the new blog, the reset one as well, okay. in there. And if you want to look me up, you can look me up on R Siddhartha on Twitter or Instagram R S I D H A R T A. And of course, Family of Virtues is on Instagram as well at Family of Virtues and our website familyofvirtues.com. So thank you, Linda, once again. And thank you to all our listeners. And until next time, may God bless us all. Thank you. Bless you, Richard.